Hello everyone, strap in, Thursday special, where's this week gone? I have no idea, this is going to be a good one, 30 seconds, we're going to talk all about those cities, all about that public space, amenities, I hope you're not littering, I guess we'll not be very impressed with that, 20 seconds, we will kick off. thinking about the weekend, but hold on. Don't worry. Ten, an hour of bliss. Put the red light away. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the live stream special. You know what time it is. It's one o'clock. Put that sandwich away for a second because we're going to go deep. We're going to go into a world that blurs into the architecture world a little bit collaboration in that space however if you are a, a studying landscape architecture or urban design or you're an architect that maybe wants to transfer or learn those skills then i have the best guest for you and without <laughs> further ado i have the fantastic liesel dupre from city design people Woo! hello how Steve. you doing i'm very good thank you you I'm all right. I, f I forgot, because I'm so excited to have you here, to put my soundboard on. And I normally have a clap, but I'll do a real one. <laughs> thank so you very much. Yeah, thank you for joining us. So anyone here that wants to ask a question, you can put it in the live stream while Liesl's talking or I'm talking. So go for it. But Liesl, for anyone that does not know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I run a little small recruitment company called City Design People. I've done so for nearly six years or so, but before that, I used to work with Steve and started my career in recruitment through this collaboration. But before that, I worked as urban designer for many years in South Africa and London. So learned my graph on the job, working in multidisciplinary practices, architecture practices, landscape practices. So got a bit of everything to refer back to yeah and now I try and help you guys find the right job cool very interesting so I am I studied architecture okay and so these what's what I find interesting because you've done a bit of dual roles because landscape architecture you know really well but also urban design you've done that role as well so perhaps yeah. maybe to start with it'd be really cool if you could say the similarities but also the distinctions between both of those roles so what does a landscape architect do and what does an urban designer do yeah so i guess urban design has grown out of a special a special interest in architecture within for the bigger scale things, for the how cities work, how we develop larger areas, how we renew larger areas within the city. So usually urban design flows out of architecture, but you can also approach it from lots of other different backgrounds, often the sort of environmental sciences, geography, planning, but it's definitely a concern with the bigger design issues that face cities and how to do that and to grow our cities and expand them and improve them. Landscape architecture often 
looks at the same issues, the same concerns, but like architecture, it can be a bit more focused on the site and development and construction. So you might be really very much ultimately involved in the design and delivery of public realm, parks, open spaces, and so on. These things work together and can overlap and be a speciality for you in a, in I often see urban designers and landscape architects singing the same the same story the same hymn book it's a very closely related field okay cool same mantra same goal improving the public space as well as yeah. everything else yeah yeah I love that where I what I would love to know as well and you can probably bring me a little bit up to date because in architecture, part one, part two, part three, I understand really well. And now we've got Architectural Apprentice, which is the new route on the block. And recently, the ARB is thinking of doing changes to that. But how does one then study, lands, become a landscape architect or an urban designer? Is it a case of that there's a particular course or narrative? Or like you said, to maybe people who have done architecture, but maybe they do a master's we're more urban and stuff like that. So they blur into that world. What's the typical ways, yeah. Liesl, to get into the industry? I would say maybe it's better to look at it going backwards in yeah. urban design and landscape, because as I said, people get into it from so many different angles yeah. and undergraduate degrees. I think for a landscape architect in general, it's probably if that's your ultimate goal and you want to be a landscape architect, maybe even become chartered and get your chartered membership of the Landscape Institute, it's definitely advisable to do a master's degree in landscape architecture. That is classically what employers would like from you. And then, but before that, you could come into it with an undergraduate landscape degree, geography, environmental sciences, architecture, horticulture. Yeah, there's a range of undergraduate degrees that feed into landscape architecture as a speciality. Urban design, similar. People come into it from a planning undergraduate degree, sometimes being fully qualified architects as well, and then going and doing an additional master's in city planning, urban Mm. design. There's a range of urbanism kind of master's degrees that you can you can pursue dependent on your emphasis that you have yourself. So there's lots of different avenues. I think the commonality, I think that that sits with all of these and can be harder for some people than others is a fairly, a fairly important thing, of course, in the design field is that sort of ability to draw the ability to express yourself in a in a graphic way it's really it's really important that if you're coming from a planning background if you want to be an urban designer if you want to be a landscape architect you need to develop those skills to communicate spatial and graphic way which sometimes you need to pay special attention to as you progress through your career and especially when you do your masters is to try and enhance your skills that you might lack from somebody who's come through an architectural education where there's so much more emphasis on spatial ideas, drawing, visualization of concepts and ideas. 
Wow. So that's really insightful. When you were speaking there, talking about communicating graphically and so on and so forth. And I think that it's interesting that when people study architecture, they've got to draw it, they learn to draw, and then they, they go on a bit of software, they do all the renders. And then, hey, right now, if you're looking, you come to me for a job. If you have Revit, which isn't very academic, that's like the hot piece of software that a lot of architecture practices use. What I'd love to know from your perspective, Liesl, and where I'm getting with this is what is the day-to-day, -day, when you're going to the industry, what does that job like for an urban designer or a landscape architect? And is it, like you say, very visual communication or do, you, do they use particular pieces of software like mm -hmm. Revit is adopted in the architecture industry? So I think important skills, both in terms of software, but yeah. other skills that are important for you to have and qualities yeah. and skills. It is really important as an urban designer to have excellent communication skills, not just being able to draw and talk about your drawings. Yeah, It's talking to a range of people about their environment, their, their sort of setting, their town, their place. You need to be able to really communicate in, an, in a simple um, but professional way. So mm -hmm. communication, being able to keep your own in a group of people, really important. And that negotiation aspect of communication as well, you need to have it. Mm -hmm. You can't be s sitting behind a computer and hiding away. That's you get into this job because you want to make a broader impact in our world. So you need to have some thoughts and you need to be able to share it. Now, sometimes some of those thoughts will need to be shared on a piece of paper, on a yeah. computer program, creating a spatial scenario for a place and how it's going to look. So, yes, you need to be able to draw still with a pencil because that's interactive and it can be adapted quickly. I would say the other sort of important graphic skills that eventually you need to be really strong in yeah. is the sort of Adobe packages. You need to be able to whip together planning documents with hundreds of drawings and sketches nicely laid out and presentations to easy, good graphic design skills. So the Adobe packages you need to be really good at. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You need to... CAD, of course. I would say Revit less important, maybe in some practices, because yeah. you are collaborating with architects. Yes, that's important. I think good sort of visualization skills. Ultimately, you need to be really busy with Adobe. Design, Illustrator, these are the starting points. And then AutoCAD and being able to adapt master plans and drawings all the time. There's lots of, in terms of landscape architecture, there's lots of more kind of technical software that you use for plant specification and so on. Yeah. We don't have to get into that too much. Those things I often find people learn on the job because you can only really, those things you learn on the job. But the Adobe suite, really important. Yeah, I think technically that's probably the first things that you need to be good at. Nice. Makes sense. I think I scared Lisa Sonda when I said put away your sandwiches earlier. So you have permission 
to have the sandwich and I'm impressed on that with your attention here. Actually, Lisa Liz spilling all the inside info, so fair play. I'm, I'm glad you're with us. Very interesting. It's quite liberating, actually, what you're talking about. It's not necessarily five years of BIM that you need. It's a, diff it's a totally different skill set, which accomplish... Oh, I can't even speak. You, go you work alongside the architect, so it's handy to know mm. those tools, but it's quite liberating to hear that it's a totally different thing. I remember, actually, my first job in, in architecture where there was a landscape architect for a particular project, and I was amazed just because I never thought about it. Like you say, the amount of work that which goes into studying what kind of greenery will survive in certain climates, what would work, where they should be, and orchestrating it. So it was very interesting. And what I was going to ask you here is because I would imagine that there are some specific landscape architecture practices, and maybe there are some companies which specialize in urban design, but maybe you can paint the full picture of where it's like to work in the industry. Is there multidisciplinary companies? Where do urban design and architects typically happen hmm. to be in the industry? Well, there's lots of career prospects for you as an urban designer and as a landscape architect. You, you can, obviously, as a landscape architect, you can work in an independent landscape practice that specialize yeah. in landscape full on, all the different aspects of landscape architecture. There's lots of, they tend to be smaller, smaller practices, it's not huge companies, but there are a couple of larger independent practices. Usually they also have then within them strong ecological planning departments they do landscape planning visualizations planning lvias which is visual assessments there's a lot they have all that environmental side of things as well included then multidisciplinaries for sure engineering practices often have landscape architects and urban designers within their sort of staff anywhere where you might have a big planning project, small planning project, engineering, multidisciplinaries, very popular and big employer. Architecture practices, of course, we've got lots of large, the top 100, most of them will have urban designers and landscape architects within mm. their teams. Smaller, again, smaller teams, not huge, but they take a lot of front-end work in terms of winning work, building the argument, building the new, why are we special? It's why are we going to do this project better? What are we going to add in terms of value to how this project is done? Like landscape architecture and urban design teams often clinch the deal for a lot of architecture practices, creating work yeah, for yeah. the rest of the practice to then deliver. <laughs> so it's often that sort of strategic component within a practice then of course there's roles in local government for for landscape architects and urban designers as it's important part of the planning process then there's developers often have urban designers and delivery it's it can lead to a project management role as well for you if you working say for a developer or yeah. a housing association and delivering projects yeah so there's a loads of different places where you can end up dependent on your particular strengths and interests it's that's really useful because it was nice really to visualize 
the role, and we talked a little bit about the day-to-day on it, but it's so fascinating. Like you say, there's all these pockets of urban designers and landscape architects throughout the industry. And like you said, I've seen a few even architecture practices where they have a dedicated team which does more urban design, a master plan, and you have different departments as well. So it, it is interesting. What I was going to say is in the future, we might look back at this or maybe someone watches the replay in the future. But right now it's February 2023 and we the pandemic's kind of gone down and we've gone mm. through all that and we've all got our battle scars, a few extra pounds or whatever it is. We've come out the other end. But what is it? What is the industry like at the moment then, Liesl, in landscape architecture and urban design? Is it busy in your perspective? Is there still a lot of opportunities if someone's studying now do you think that they're coming into the industry at a good time i would say it's slightly different for the two areas i as architects as landscape architects there is there's a shortage of landscape architects good qualified landscape architects in the uk i guess it's in part from my perception it's been an ongoing process for quite quite some time that we're not getting enough people getting into the profession. And the profession's partly to blame for it in that this is something I'm sure you advocate a lot on this matter, but the sort of salaries that are staying current with salaries and making sure that people can make a good living is, is an issue. So a lot of young people have to think twice about pursuing long education and what are they going to get out of it in the end. So I think the salaries is a problem for landscape architecture, but a shortage over time with Brexit and fewer students coming in from from Europe or postgraduate students. So, you know, they might have studied in Italy, Spain, Portugal, but then wanting to come to the UK after their studies. We're seeing less of these candidates. And then, yeah, some people decided to go back to where they came from originally during the tough times of the COVID pandemic. So yes, there's a shortage of good candidates, but there's there's work. There's definitely the UK and London, there's a center of design globally, lots of international projects being delivered, especially in the master planning and landscape design field. So there's work. There's definitely work, landscape, architecture, and high demand. Urban design, it goes up and down. As it's an up and down kind of field, as it is often the sort of, some practices see it as a luxury in some senses, having this sort of high level teams who are very much about selling and promoting the services of their practices, especially in architecture practices. They, they selling vision, they selling the future. And when times are a little bit uncertain, we're not looking so far ahead, then yeah. there's less, less certainty and less, less new work being commissioned on big master planning projects. And then, urban design gets a bit affected. But I would say the practices that that kind of have built strong reputation yeah. and has a really good presence in the market and is highly valued for their continued work, their reputation, they, they can ride most of the storms 
because people value the contribution they make. So it's important to, to look. If you want to be an urban designer, you have to look to the future. You have mm -hmm. to make sure that you join a practice that has a strong ethos, values the contribution that people make in the profession that are out there. They are involved in different spheres of the development industry and that you're not just sitting behind your computer, getting on with the job. You have to be out there promoting mm -hmm. yourself and being involved in the broader industry. Then, yes, it's a great place to be. You can make a real difference to the world. There's lots of big issues that need to be tackled. And if you've got that ambition to, to make the world a better place, then this is a great place to be. So you have to be, take a positive attitude. You can't yeah. be thrown off by the ups and downs too much because it, they are going to be there and you have to be resilient. So yeah. yes and no. <laughs> I like it. Like, uh, we're all about being honest here, isn't it? And yeah. it, there are opportunities there. I'm also amazed, like you say. So there was an architect, an architectural assistant, who was switching be companies between visas and the absolute, the amount of stress that was involved in the skilled worker visa mm. was a nightmare. And it's the same thing for anything coming in the country. Ironically, though, we have lots of opportunities here. So post-Brexit, we haven't made it that easy for ourselves in the UK. My own personal opinion. We're mm. crying Absolutely. out for talent. But then it's like, yeah. can you come here? We're not too sure. So I think that hopefully... I know that architecture and hopefully landscape and even design is on the skill shortage list, but the it system is. change. Land architecture sits with underneath within the same category as architects. Good. So oh. they under they're in there. Okay. That's a good that's a good tip mm. on there. What I was gonna say, because listen, you've got the benefit now if you've worked in the industry like me and we've for one reason or another stumbled into recruitment and there's a lot that you learn behind the scenes. It's not all pretty, as we both know behind the scenes, and there's a lot of mechanics there. However, what I would love to know, Lisa, is there any things that maybe you weren't aware of before, but now you've had the benefit of being in recruitment, any advice that you would give to your former self or someone currently job seeking? Because you've given a really good overview, you've given a really good few tips, but in terms of actually looking for the job and the bit that you're involved in now, if you are a candidate, is there anything that would be useful in terms of advice or practical tip? I think, I think the first thing is, do make yourself appealing by mm. by being forever a student of your subject matter. Be involved in the industry, going to events, going to talks, things like, I would say, joining an urban sketching group or going on walking tours. Being able to talk eloquently about the industry really important. Then, so that your employer will see that you are you are you do have that communication skills and that knowledge often i guess with urban designers because unless you're an architect who then goes into urban design it's not a it's not a profession as in the same way as architecture there are sort of professional qualifications but they are very by association 
they're not legal qualifications. So it's very much about the the professional that you shape yourself to be. Landscape architecture, you can be a chartered landscape architect and go through a, a qualification process. And I would say, yes, uh, do not stump that. Usually that is doing your CMLI is up to you. You it's not it's you can continue your career without that qualification. But I would advise most of my candidates, I'd say if they've got a couple of years of experience in the field, get on with it. Do your chartership. Get it done because life happens and it is very highly sought after and valued because you get the full picture of what your job entails through doing the process. So I'd say do your chartership and for urban designers, be involved in the industry, get out there, know the politics, the economics, the housing situation in this country. As per like CVs and portfolios, looking at those things as we do all day long, I would say because the projects are so varied and different and geographically different as well, I think it's important when you talk about your projects and when you present them to to be very, have in your mind a storytelling process. You yeah. have to tell the story of why the project is happening, why did, why, what's the point of it, and a systematic, clear logic. It's less important to just have fancy drawings, yeah, yeah. like really flashy stuff. Because it becomes very empty. You need to have a good story that you can tell when you interview and when you present your portfolio. So I think that, just keep that in your mind. You tell have to tell the story of this project or this piece of work. And particularly what its purpose was and how that purpose was fulfilled by the solutions and that you've suggested. So I think those things, it's about being involved in your profession and progressing your qualifications and then telling a clear story in your portfolio. Yeah, I get really bored just looking at like fancy drawings that have have no, no sort of logic. And I know my clients feel the same way. They need your brain. They really need your brain and your capability of communicating when you join a team. Very fascinating. So I was going to say quickly to anyone, because we've got Lisa for a few more minutes. If you do have any questions to ask her, now is the time. You can contact Lisa later as well and bring that up. And you can, at the end, Lisa will tell everyone where they can get in contact and stuff. But now is the time. I'm going to ask one more question on it and then Lisa, maybe you can ask me any question that you want after about the architectural world <laughs> or my crazy self although you've had to endure me for a while so you know a lot more than some people as well but you touched He's upon going. it yeah i know we get along but you've you've dealt with the welsh madness shall i say what i would love to do going back if you think or even what you see now you touched upon just then oh i got all excited and hit the microphone you touched upon drawings with no meaning and a repetitive nature and maybe the portfolio what are mistakes that people make Liesl, quite consistently that you think come on guys 
that's an easy one we can fix. Is there anything that you would see in the CV and portfolio or maybe an interview technique or whatever that pops up now and time again that you should flag to people not to do? Too many. <laughs> it's, it is, I think because it is so varied and people do come from varied backgrounds, it takes a bit of time to sometimes get to their particular strengths. I think it's the same thing that, that I said before. I think not telling the story of the project and the right. context from the variety of scales. So I think it is important in urban design and landscape architecture to show the scale at which you can work. So at the sort of the bigger sort of planning scale, that's looking at a whole kind of region or a city, you do need to show that you think of it at that level, that you understand the analysis and the data that you need to process to understand and have an informed position as yeah. a starting point, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of research that goes on at the beginning. So you need to show a bit of that, but then you do need to work through the scales and be able to show that you understand the implications of what you're doing on the ground at the sort of eye level where people mm. live. And I think if you can't show those ranges of scale effectively, then there's something missing. And employers start getting a bit worried that you don't understand the full sphere of where you're working in. So I think, yeah, being able to show the whole, like the whole story, all the scales at which the profession operates at, that if you have all of that in there, then, then you'll do well. You're off to a good start. Mm. Now that's really useful because that's something I wouldn't have thought of. And it's very interesting when you talk about scales, I think in architecture in particular, it can be because it's more insular, isn't it? It's a project It's inside. It's all the ROBA stages. So it's a totally different scale. Very interesting. It looks though, at least that you've, we've both gotten away with murder because there's no questions. And some that keep saying that you've got great points. So we <laughs> must be doing, we must be doing something right. Perhaps on that note, what I was going to say is while I'm here, interviews can be, I try not to make them too much of a one-way thing. And we know each other for a long time. Is there anything that you'd like to throw into the thread of the conversation? It could be questions to me. It could be questions on architecture or, or anything on your mind, which you'd like to pick my brains on. Yeah, I would say sometimes I think architects, uh, the architecture profession probably should actually promote these fields of interest a bit more to, yeah. to, to some architects, like as a way where their strengths can be utilized better. I think there should be a progression. I think some of the best landscape architects come from working within architecture and then it's not promoted to them as a, as an, as a way forward. Yeah. them so i think do you do you see that happens at all i hardly see it see landscape and urban design promoted Very to rare. architects as yeah. an alternative career as an alternative focus i think you hit the nail on the head i think it's seen as an alternative career where actually 
I, I see it as another fork in the road of architecture. Mm. You talked about scale. It makes sense for an architect if they want to explore urban design. And bizarrely, though, when I did work in practice, it was seen as an asset. There was one person who had that qualifications in urban design, and every time they would do a packet, they would try to submit a, a project which was large scale. That director was always involved in the submissions mm. and was a key part of the role. So it was incredibly valued. But like you say, I don't see people talking about that route to, from architecture into landscape architecture or specializing more into urban design equally. I find that I've, I, ha I have, though, seen resistance for someone that's done a lot of urban design then going on different scales back into architecture. And I think that's a little bit short-sighted, actually, because mm. equally, there's a lot of practices, like you, you mentioned earlier, about international projects. There's so many architecture practices which are doing large-scale master plans, all this stuff around the world, totally different countries, and it makes complete sense. You need urban designers involved and mm. landscape architects because in a lot of these cases, especially when we're talking about the Middle East, you're creating places where there was nothing before. So it's like a sandbox and it's a it's a really exciting challenge. Yeah. It's completely different. But then equally, like you were saying earlier, Lisa, like a landscape architect's role in London or it's, for instance, maybe, God forbid, you got a project in the borough of Westminster. They're going to be all over you like a rash about does it fit in as that and so it's a totally yeah, yeah. different vibe and it seems really interesting and i think where it would be really cool is so if you're an architect and you're interested in that larger scale or the urban fabric then i think that's really interesting because there is a missed opportunity sometimes and i think sometimes i've seen amazing buildings and they just don't connect to the existing fabric the best way it's like the architect spent all the thought on the building and then outside you've got some crappy pavement and it's like a terrible i don't know unfunctioning seat and a bin and it's oh it could have been something nice here but instead it's just a bit of a dossy area so yeah. i think i think it could be really good and the last note i say is that especially in a practice i do think though that the more ways you can specialize yourself so this is from an architecture's perspective but for instance if you're an architect and then you did a master's in urban design okay maybe you're not an urban designer through and through but then that offers another vehicle of talent for that architecture practice and then maybe you collaborate with the urban designers or equally like you said specializing in is it horticulture i want to say is that the right word for is that horses or is that plants i have no idea i've gone totally but totally blank but understanding that stuff is really useful for design and access statements and planning submissions and stuff because you need to talk about the urban fabric and the existing and what's there and so on and so forth no we, we all need to understand what our colleagues do and how they can enhance the end product the more we can work together the better the end result and i think an important quality within all of the build professions is this sort of ability to not be too precious and be able to adapt and learn from each other. And I think that's the way forward because some of the challenges faced in our cities are very complex. Nobody's, no perfect solutions. And even if you come up with a Corbusian uh, vision for the world, it's not going to work. You might think it's fantastic, but... Yeah, is it going to work? It's never going to end up exactly 
the way you might envision it. So collaborating and bringing, finding the, the best options that will work for everybody and putting down the sort of the bones of it. Is important the bones of it, and I guess another field that I think is probably something that you are more interested in that relates very closely to architecture and and urban design and landscape is the sort of data, the world of data, and oh, I love all that stuff. Where you get where you get your intelligence from? I think there's a lot of urban designers and architects who who more and more focus on using smart and intelligent design methodologies. So if you're a bit techie like that, urban design provides an area where people can really dig deep and trying to understand these complex places and complex data that comes out of cities. So I think that, yeah, Steve, something for you to go into? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. I think it might be too late for me. But if I was to do it again, it is interesting, like you say, doing all the science on where people move, because that's what I find really fascinating about mm. what your role is. It's one thing to design the space, it's how it get used. And it's the old example of you've got a pavement that goes around this way and people cut through the path. And equally, where I live in Lewisham, they've put down where they think the street sign should be. And what happens is that everyone cuts across, almost kills themselves, but to save that 20 seconds. And it's interesting human behavior, isn't it? And yeah. it's, it's completely fascinating. In contrast with the vehicle, but yeah, it's, see, exactly. There's lots of conflicting, conflicting, conflicting informants in cities and yeah so we have to just argue it out and get to the best and then in the end people use things completely unexpected ways (laughs) and that's human nature and what makes it fun to be and live in cities yeah so yeah we could talk about this stuff wherever it's it's true on that note i've got one quick fire question from the audience Eileen round who runs arcjobs.co.uk really cool company she asks though and i think it was to do when we talked about project lens and going into detail about showing the project's perspective two people find it difficult to keep it concise i think that what I've learned in architecture is the further in your career, the harder it is to jam-pack that all in. And then people do find it harder to keep stuff concise. Is that the same in landscape and urban design in your experience? Oh, yeah. I've, I get lots of graduates with retelling half of this thesis in the portfolio. Yeah. But <laughs> it's just, it's like with anything, people get very attached to their work and attached to the process and you must remember typically a planning process for a new master plan can often take years it can take years and years of the process from the just the initial visioning and studies through to having a plan that will be and then even then it will go into a more of a design process or a more technical design takes years and people like want to tell the whole story. Yeah, it's a really, it's really hard thing to do. In part, probably why I don't do urban design anymore. It's like the time, the times. The, you have to be really that. You have to be in it for the long term and yeah. <laughs> concise. It's difficult. Yeah. Try your best to keep it concise. Yeah. I agree, and that's probably something I should do with this podcast as well. Hey, there you go. So I think we've reached a really nice juncture where we can probably end this now. That being said, you are on LinkedIn. You have an 
awesome recruitment consultancy. I'm a big fan of all you've done. I'm going to bring up the contact details, but where can people find you? Yeah, go to my website and I think you can always email me at liesl at citydesignpeople.com or LinkedIn. Those are, well, you can maybe get there on on Instagram or something like that. But I, I like people getting in touch and having a conversation about their own journey and their own career because everybody's unique and they all have something special to offer. The practices are varied. It's not a cookie cutter kind of area. So yeah, it's best to take a considered view. I agree. Thank you so much, Lisa. It'll be an absolute Thank delight you, as always. We've got some smileys, some laughing, some comments that have come in. So <laughs> I really appreciate you being here. And also you guys in the audience, wherever you're live now, thank you. But also the replay, because this is what it is. It's the modern world. Everyone watches the replay. So if you're on your tablet or you're on your phone or you're on that commute, or you're thinking, do you know what? I'm interested in the urban design or landscape. I hope this has been useful. Get in contact with Liesl as well. On that note, though, I'm going to end this live stream now. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, Liesl, for being Thank here. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> and we'll see you all soon. Liesl, stay on the stage. Don't go anywhere okay. while I turn off the live stream. And bye-bye, everyone. And Sonda, I hope you did eat that sandwich. Next time, <laughs> I won't say that as a joke. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Bye.